Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including gathering times and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Brian Candelo. Uh, good morning, church. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. For those of you watching online, so glad you could join us this morning. Uh, before we jump into the sermon, just a couple quick things. For those of you that participated in our Great Expectations fundraiser for our high school students, I just wanted to say thanks. Thanks for leaning into that. Thanks for your generosity for that. They had a great two nights of that event. And just in about a month and a half, we'll have high school students jump on a bus and a van and head to Mexico to build houses because of what you've given towards that. So thank you for doing that. Also want to let you know that several weeks ago, we commissioned a medical team who is now overseas, and on one of the days of their ministry, when they were doing an eye clinic, they saw 90 different patients, and 19 of them made first-time decisions to follow Jesus. So we want to celebrate that. It's such a great thing. And the cool thing about that is that there is a local pastor that gets to shepherd them throughout this journey. So let's just take a minute and pray for everything that's going on there. Jesus, thanks for those seeds that have been planted. And I pray that they find good soil, that roots grow deep, that these people grow up strong in you and bear much fruit. And so guard and protect them. And thanks for allowing us to be a part of that in even just a little way. Thank you for what you're doing all over the world. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move among us uniquely and specifically as you always do. And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Life is full of unexpected moments, so much so that we oftentimes say, expect the unexpected, which is an interesting phrase, right? Because if you expect something, then it ceases to be unexpected. But anyway, we're not going there. But in life, there's a lot of things that we don't see coming, both the positive and the painful. Many years ago, I led a middle school missions trip to eastern Kentucky. And on our day off, we went to Natural Bridge State Park. Here's a picture of this beautiful place behind me. And, and we went to Natural Bridge State Park because there's nothing else to do in eastern Kentucky. And so we get there and we pull into the parking lot. There's two vans full of students. And, you know, there's like a snack bar and some picnic tables. But when we got out of the vans, I grabbed some students right away and I just started headed to the trailhead like we're going to be first to the top. And my seasoned leaders just kind of stood back staring at me like it's not a race. You don't have to be first all the time. And I was like, here we go. We're going now. It had rained that morning, and so it was muddy, and it was particularly hot, so it was muggy and buggy. But off we went, me and some of these students up the trail, and we're slipping in the mud a little bit, and it's getting warm, and we're sweating. And part of the trail is, just has this overhang of rock, so you have to crouch really low, so you're hiking uphill like this, which isn't that easy. And so away we go, and, and the students are like, are we almost there yet? Because it's not just your children. Students ask the same question, and I give the patented answer that every parent does, five more minutes. I mean, it was my first time at the park, but I was like, five more minutes. We'll be there in five more minutes. And at the end, I'm basically dragging students to the top, and I'm sweating profusely. And when I come around the corner and finally get to the top of that rock shelf there, I see two unexpected things. 
The first thing I saw was my leaders and students standing there. The ones that I had left in the parking lot. And they were standing there with their snacks, smiling at me, smugly. And the second thing I saw was this. There was a ski lift to the top. Now, several thoughts are running through my mind in this moment. First of which was, Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to get some exercise and be with you. All right, that was not it. I was not that spiritual in that moment, right? My thoughts were more along these lines. How did I miss this? And can I write it down? (laughs) Which it turns out I couldn't because you had to purchase your tickets at the bottom. But mostly what was going through my head in this moment was, this was here the whole time and none of you told me? I think we all have moments in our lives where we're surprised by the unexpected and we ask similar questions. Like, how did I miss this? How come I didn't see this coming and why didn't anyone tell me about this? Over the next several weeks, we're going to dive into some very familiar Jesus stories, but we're going to look at the unexpected nature of these stories, how they would have been unexpected in the moment, and how they continue to surprise us today. We're kicking off a new series uh, called Unexpected King, Narratives from the Gospel of Matthew. We have Bible study guides that you can get uh, either at the Welcome Center or the reception desk during the week. They're $5, you can go onto Amazon. You can download them free from our website or after the service, I'll sell this to you for six bucks. It's a great deal, come talk to me. So you can get those. But we aren't going to go through Matthew necessarily chapter by chapter because Matthew isn't really arranged in this linear timeline. It's it's more organized according to subject matter. So we're going to trace this unexpected king through some familiar stories because Jesus specializes in the unexpected. Jesus didn't come to rule on an earthly throne. He came to serve. He didn't come pridefully. He came humbly. He wasn't removed from us. He was accessible, and Jesus didn't come kind of indifferent to all of us. He came to lovingly invite us into community. And that's what we want to talk about here this morning, that loving invitation, that unexpected invitation. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, looking at a familiar story there. And here's what we're going to talk about, this idea that we are unexpectedly invited in to invite in the unexpected. We are unexpectedly invited in to invite in the unexpected. We hear all the time about VIP-only events where the only people that get invitations are the rich and the famous and the professional athletes and the influencers, all the cool kids. And those of us with no social capital, we don't get invites. We don't get invited to those kinds of things, but the king of the universe has invited us into his inner circle, and he wants us to invite in others as well. Completely unexpected. All right, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. 
Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So I want to look at two unexpected invitations from this passage. And the first is just this. It's an unexpected invitation to follow Jesus. Scene one of the story that we just read happens uh, with Jesus and his disciples. They're in the town of Capernaum. Capernaum's on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Here's a picture, kind of modern day, but you can kind of get an idea of what that looked like. So Jesus is walking along with his disciples, and he sees a guy named Matthew sitting at his, his toll booth, his tax collector's booth. And this is, this is great because this is where Matthew writes himself into the story. We're at chapter nine, but Matthew writes himself in, and it's honestly a very real portrayal of who he is. Because Mark and Luke, they tell the same story as Matthew does, but they don't mention the fact that Matthew's a tax collector. It's almost as if they're trying to hide his disreputable profession so that it protects Jesus, or maybe it even protects Matthew. But Matthew is a tax collector. A profession that everybody in our day isn't too fond of, and I apologize if that's your profession, but they were particularly hated in this day. You see, Matthew would have collected taxes for Rome. Rome was the hated foreign oppressor, and Matthew would have done so under the protection of Roman military. And Matthew would have gotten his salary by overcharging people, and he could overcharge however he wanted because he had the protection of the military. So Matthew would have been a guy who was extorting his fellow citizens. And so he was hated. And we can see that in, in Matthew chapter 21, tax collectors and prostitutes are mentioned in the same breath. They're kind of equated to one another. And so you can see the disciples being like, Jesus, this guy? That's unexpected. Listen, I know a pickpocket that would better serve us, or maybe I know somebody that embezzles that we could ask to be a part of the team, right? It's kind of interesting. Like, Matthew, he was a money guy. Matthew knew the ins and outs of the financial world, and yet the disciples didn't even choose him to be their treasurer. Maybe they held his past against him. Maybe they thought he was going to skim some off the top, and so the Gospels tell us that they gave this role to another one of the disciples named Judas, which didn't exactly work out. But this is who Jesus invites in. And it's unexpected because Matthew is not the ideal candidate. Matthew's not like your first round draft pick. He's not your fifth round draft pick. Matthew isn't even like practice squad material. And yet Jesus says, follow me. And this isn't a casual invitation. Jesus wasn't just like, Matthew, I'm heading to Chipotle with the guys for lunch. Why don't you come join? We'll sit and talk about this thing, see if it fits for you. Jesus says, no, Matthew, follow me and be my disciple. Matthew, I'm, I'm starting a revolution. Matthew, I'm, I'm changing the world. You're going to leave behind everything earthly, but you're going to gain everything that's eternal, and it's going to be challenging, and it's going to be life-changing. And there's going to be moments of clarity, and there's going to be a lot of moments of complexity. 
It's going to be exhilarating and unpredictable. And people aren't going to really understand what it is that you're doing all of the time. And your life will never be the same. Follow me. And that's the call that he received. The call that he received, this invitation that was put before him is an invitation to make Jesus central in his life. It's about surrender. It's about proximity. It's about being conformed to the character of Christ. And it is a lifetime invitation. And we don't really know what Matthew's exposure was to the person and teaching of Jesus. But we know that he listened, and we know that he followed, and we know that the, the invitation of Jesus is powerful and effective. And, and for those of us in the room who are disciples in progress, don't worry too much about Matthew's immediate response. I mean, his response is obviously sudden and dramatic. He just gets up and goes, and you might look at that and be like, oh, that didn't so much happen with me. But that's just his story, and we don't have to make it normative for all of our stories. But here's the thing, we receive the same invitation. We receive the same invitation, follow me and be my disciple, even though we're not the ideal candidates. And I hope that that's not bursting anybody's bubble. And if we start to think that we're the ideal candidates, maybe we need to remember our origin story. We need to remember our brokenness because we don't want to lose the beauty and the mystery of this invitation. Here's the thing, Jesus loves the B team. Jesus loves the beginner band. Jesus loves those of us who have only ever received participation trophies. We're all united in our second stringness because the loving invitation of Jesus is what gives us value and what gives us dignity. We don't have to make ourselves right before we come to Jesus. We come to receive his righteousness. We don't earn our way, we just come. That's the invitation that we have. The last chapter in all of scripture is Revelation 22. And towards the end of that chapter, we see this verse. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, Come, are you getting the point? We're supposed to come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. This is the invitation that we have. Ours is the same invitation as Matthew. It's an invitation to proximity. It's an invitation to surrender. It's an invitation to belonging. It's an invitation to intimacy. It's an invitation that takes us further and deeper into a richer place than we could ever get to on our own. Several years ago, I went to an Oregon Ducks basketball game with a bunch of great guys, and we had pretty good tickets, the kind of tickets that when you show up at the gate, they put a bracelet on your wrist that gets you into a special area in the arena. Now, when you get into this special area, you still have to purchase your food, but at least you're in a special place apart from everybody else. But when I went and put my wrist forward, I got a bracelet that was for the Founders Club. Now, according to the website, the Founders Club is the most exclusive place in the arena. It's for transformational givers. Givers who start at seven figures. And I didn't realize it because when, when I put my wrist out, the lady was like, ooh, one of those. And I was like, sure, okay. And I took it. Now this place has security at the door. It has a high-end, all-you-can-eat buffet. It has free everything. 
Now, would I leave the guys that I came with to go into such a place? Absolutely. (laughs) And I'm a little bit hurt by all of you nodding so quickly. A little bit of a sting on my character. But yes, of course I would. And I'd take pictures of them through the glass. I'm in here rubbing elbows with my people, right? Mm, Not so much. Here's the thing. I was invited into a place well beyond my expectations. I was invited to an absolutely new experience. I was invited into a place that I could have never earned my way into, that I would have never gotten into on my own. Church family, that's our story. That's all of our stories, invited into a place way beyond our expectations, invited into a place that we could never earn on our own. We have been invited to come, to follow Jesus, to be his disciples. And do we live in joyful gratefulness for this invitation? The second invitation that we see is an unexpected invitation to love anyone and everyone. You see, the scene shifts. It shifts from the shore to a party. Matthew is so excited about this invitation that he throws a party. He he didn't like grimly resign himself to follow Jesus. Okay. He wasn't mourning the loss of income. This was not grudging obedience. A lot of years ago, I was talking to one of my daughters about what it meant to obey her parents, and her response to me was so good, I wrote it down, which she hated, but I did. She said, okay, Dad, I'll obey. I won't argue. I'll listen to what you say, but my life will be miserable. (laughs) Oh, parenting. (laughs) Absolutely right, but you get it. But this was not Matthew. Matthew threw a party. He was so excited, and I think it was a great party because he had money and a nice house and a pool and a DJ, and there was disreputable sinners, which is what verse 10 tells us, Matthew and the disreputable sinners, which is a great name for a band. (laughs) You can thank me later for that. And that phrase, it kind of always makes me laugh, like disreputable sinners. I thought sinners were disreputable, and I don't know who the gatekeeper is for this category of sinners. It's like sinners with platinum status. I don't know. But actually, if you Google disreputable sinners, this is the first picture that comes up. Right there. (laughs) Yeah. I know you were thinking the same thing. This phrase really refers to those on the edge of respectable society. It's a a phrase that means people have missed the mark, those who refuse to follow God. And the Pharisees were angry. And they're angry a little bit because they didn't get invited to the party. But they were angry because Jesus called himself a teacher, and a good teacher would never eat with such scum, as they put it, because eating with those people was wrong. You see, for the Pharisees, being pure involved separation from sin and sinners. Contact was contamination. The pure become unclean through contact with the unclean. Now, if you've been around the church for any length of time, when you hear Pharisees, something rises up in you and you're like, okay, I know that those are the bad guys and so I want no part of what they are saying. But even though the Pharisees' question was poorly worded, they had a point. There's honestly something to this, and Scripture tells us this in other places. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that, that bad company corrupts good character. And we underestimate the power of community in character formation. Sometimes we underestimate the power of community in character formation. We become like the people that we hang out with. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. But that doesn't mean we don't have any contact with sinners because who would we hang out with and more importantly, who would hang out with us? But I think the principle here that we can lean into is that when we move from the influencer to the one that's being influenced, we need to pay attention. When we move from the influencer, influencing people towards good things, to being influenced towards bad things, we need to pay attention and we need to be courageous. Because there are situations that we need to step away from, and oftentimes there's people that we need to separate ourselves from. So there is truth there, but here's the thing, it's different for Jesus as with so many things, he, he flips the script. You see, throughout history, when the infected and the unclean came in contact with the healthy, the healthy got sick. The clean become unclean, and so religion says, stay away. But when the unclean come in contact with Jesus, they walk away healed. Because nothing can make Jesus unclean, no matter the problem or the sin or the stain or the shame or the guilt, there is healing. Our sins cannot contaminate Jesus. His holiness overcomes our sins. Infection works in reverse when Jesus is part of the equation. Contact is not contamination. Contact becomes cleansing. This is why Jesus was always inviting people in, those that society avoided, because he knew that with him, contact was cleansing. Matthew and his fellow tax collectors would not have been able to go into the synagogue. They would have been banned for being tax collectors. Jesus is reaching people that he couldn't reach anywhere else. And so I would ask us this question, who are we inviting in? We just spent several weeks talking about the fact that we have influence, we have a sphere of influence, and what are we doing with that influence? And I know that inviting people intimidates us because we think I'll mess it up or what, what will happen or what will I do, I have no idea, but we need to remember we're not inviting people to ourselves, really. We're not inviting people to a program. We're not inviting people to a building. Even though this is a good invitation, we're inviting people to Jesus. We're inviting people to be transformed by Jesus. And Jesus has a response when the Pharisees ask this, this question, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And it's really a, a question based in accusation, not information. And Jesus responds with both a, a quote and a verse from the Old Testament. He says this, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Jesus is trying to give the Pharisees a way forward. And I think there's things in this passage for us to hang on to as well. There's things that we can carry forward as well. I want to give just three things in closing. The first is this, rejoice. And we don't see it in that verse, but I think we need to be a people who rejoice. We celebrate the joy of our invitation. 
Sometimes I can forget. Life makes us forget. But we need to celebrate the invitation, the unexpected invitation that we've been given. We celebrate it. And so maybe this coming week, you write a thank you note to Jesus. You don't have to mail it. He'll get it. But say thanks. Say thank you for the invitation. Psalm chapter 51, verse 12 says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. What a great prayer. And I would love to right now even pray that blessing over this place. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would restore unto us the joy of salvation that we would celebrate the invitation, that we would be a people marked by joy, and that that would spill over and out of us into invitations to others. And so Holy Spirit, pour that out over us this morning. Jesus, we pray that in your name. And then Jesus says in response to this, he says, go and learn. Go and learn. I want you to go and learn, which would have been a harsh rebuke for the Pharisees. Because, well, they never really went and learned. And he was treating them like students, not teachers, right? He was treating them like beginners and not the experts. But he was saying, I want you to go and learn about mercy. I don't want you to spend all your time offering sacrifices. I want you to love people. You need to go and learn how to love people. But too often, I think we can be like the Pharisees. We have certain groups of people figured out, right? Oh, you believe this, this, and this? Oh, you fit right here. Or you behave this way, this way, and this way? Okay, you fit right here. And we think that somehow we haven't figured out, but we need to learn stories. There's a Nigerian author named Chimamanda Adichie, and she says this, the problem with stereotypes is not that they are untrue, but that they are incomplete. They make one story become the only story. And I think we can do that sometimes. I think we can make one story become the only story, and it helps us write off large groups of people, but we need to step outside of our comfort zone. We need to learn about others. We need to listen to other people's story. And as Jesus said, it's, the, it's not the healthy that need the doctor, it's the sick. And so we need to especially lean in to those that are unexpected that are overlooked, that are avoided, that are hurting, that are disabled, that have special needs, that look different or even dangerous to us, that fill all the wrong categories in our brains, those are the people that we need to continue to go and learn about and love and offer mercy. And so who can we go and learn about this week? And lastly, I would just ask this question. Who is at your table? Who can you invite in unexpectedly so that they can meet an unexpected king? Who's at your table? Who can we invite to our table in the coming weeks? And if you're thinking, okay, maybe them, maybe them, anyone but them, it might be the anyone but them group. At the beginning of this service, I told a story about climbing to the top of the natural bridge and, and the question that was in my mind of, this was here the whole time, why didn't you tell me? It was here the whole time, why didn't you tell me? And we don't want other people to have to live with that phrase. There are those that need to hear about the unexpected invitation, and we get to be the ones to tell them. Imagine if more and more people on the edges of respectable society 
experience the unexpected nature of the love and forgiveness of King Jesus, what that will do in our families and in our neighborhoods and in this city, both now and into eternity, we have been unexpectedly invited in to invite in the unexpected. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for this story. I thank you for your invitation to Matthew and how it was unexpected. And I thank you that that's our invitation. And again, I pray that you would return to us just that joy, that exhilaration that comes from knowing the king of the universe has asked us into his inner circle. Restore that joy. And then I pray that you would give us courage, that you would give us insight, that you would give us vision to go and learn and to invite others in. And I pray that you would allow us to see the fruit from that. I pray that you would change us in such a way that that would become a passion and that your kingdom would grow and expand. Jesus, we love you in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.